You're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. Okay. Did you know um, there's so many steps I have to run through now that I'm getting old. Um, well, we are so glad to be here this morning. I, I mean, I love coming to church, and, and I hope that you do like coming to church as well. And uh, I mean, every Sunday is special. This is Thanksgiving, and and we we hope that I hope that as you meet with your family, and uh, as you just uh, enjoy the the long weekend and all those sorts of things, that you just really. Um, just sit, I guess, in, in the blessings that, uh, that we have as, as the people of God. And uh, we want to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, I was, oh, truth be told, I, I was complaining a little bit. I was being very unthankful this, this week to, to Matt. Um, and, and I was ruminating on how difficult it is to, uh, I know I've said this before, I just want you to feel sorry for me, um, how difficult it is to every year, you know, just try to think of, you know, kind of a new angle on Thanksgiving and, uh, and you know, what to talk about and those sorts of things. And, you know, as I, as I thought about it, you know, like, well, there's so many different things that you can talk about. We can be thankful for the things that we have, or we can be thankful for, uh, you know, all the, all the expected rhetoric. I, I, it's more than rhetoric, but it, it just is, it's difficult to, to come with it. But then I, as I, I just started to, or just kind of, you know, think about things this week, I just thought, that's okay that, to say the same things, to, to annually remind ourselves of the things that we have, that we have been blessed with, that, that, that we possess in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's okay to just say the same things over and over because, you know, sometimes we sheep, we forget um, and, and it's important to remind ourselves of that. So I hope that I can do that this morning. Another thing that I uh, found out this week um, is that um, Butterball Turkeys, you know Butterball Turkeys? The Butterball, the company, has a helpline. They, they, have a, they, they actually have someone on their website that you can chat with. Uh, in regards to questions that you have about their turkeys. Honestly, this is true. If you go down some of the comments, they are hysterical. Um, I, I printed off a few for you. Uh, one woman in her 70s cooking Thanksgiving dinner for the first time called for help because her mother said it was time she learned to prepare the Thanksgiving meal. Um, a proud gentleman called to tell the staff how he wrapped his turkey in a towel, <laughs> laid it on the floor, and stomped on it, breaking the bones so it would fit into his pen. 
another gentleman called to tell the operator, this is awesome, that he cut his turkey in half with a chainsaw. And he wanted to know if the oil from the chain would adversely affect the turkey. Uh, a disappointed woman called, wondering why her turkey had no breast meat. And after the conversation with the, t- with the talk line operator, it became apparent that the woman's turkey was lying upside down. <laughs> One mom called in and told the helpline operator how her little girl had asked if they could slow roast the turkey for three or four days because she liked how it made the house smell. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Another man, or I can't remember, it's a lady. After discovering a turkey from 1969 in his dad's freezer, a man called the talk line at Butterball to ask what the best way to cook the 30-year-old bird would be. Um, They recommended that he find a fresher fowl. Uh, There's a story told about a Uh, a lady, she purchased a parrot whose previous owner had taught him profanity and decided that she was going to reform the bird. And so the parrot learned a number of Christian words and Bible verses to replace the cuss words. However, uh, over time, it seemed like the cuss words were returning and uh, the owner caught him caught the bird cussing one day and grabbed him and said, I'll teach you to never talk that way again. She put him in a deep freeze and slammed the door. A few minutes later, the owner took the parrot out of the freezer and asked, have you learned your lesson now? And uh, the bird shivered and said, yes, ma'am. A couple months later, the lesson seemed to have been forgotten as the little parrot was caught saying cuss words again. And so the owner returned him to the freezer, left him in there for a long time. The little parrot almost froze to death. The owner uh, took the bird back to his cage, let him thaw out, and when he began to move a little bit, she asked him, did you learn your lesson this time, Buster? And the parrot said, yes, ma'am, I sure did. And then he just sat there in the cage quietly for a few more minutes, shivering and thinking about what had just happened to him. And then the parrot looked at his owner and said, mate, Ma'am, may I ask you a very serious question? And the owner said, yes, you may. And the parrot thought for a moment and then said, "Uh, I thought I knew all the bad cuss words there were in the world, but just what exactly did that turkey in the freezer say? (laughs) Come on, that's funny. You got to laugh at that. In light of it being Thanksgiving... This morning, um, as you might have guessed, we're going to take a little bit of a break from, uh, from the book of John. And uh, I want us to look at a psalm. I want us to look at um, a psalm of thanksgiving, obviously. And so if you would, would you turn in your Bibles to the book of uh, Psalms and look at Psalm 136. This is a long psalm. I don't think we're going to read it all, but we are going to read a bunch of it because we want to get the flavor uh, of what uh, it, what the, the author is saying. We don't know who wrote this to this day, 
um, it seems like uh, it, it could have been David, it could have been someone else. There's just, there's just not a good sense of who wrote this psalm. Um, but what I want us to do is let's just take the time to read a bunch of this together, and then we'll move on from there. So Psalm 136, if you don't have your Bible with you, there should be some in the pews as well. Psalm 136, verse 1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone gives great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun, the moon, and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the, f- the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who, was struck, who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then he just moves on from there. I wonder what sort of things you are thankful for this morning. What are you thankful for this year? I mean, we know that Thanksgiving Sunday is, of course, a a very, it's a very appropriate time to be thankful. But my question is, what about Monday? Uh, What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? What about the weeks to come, the months to come? What about all the, the 364 days that separate today from next Thanksgiving? I know that many of you uh, are gathering with family. You're looking forward to celebrating this weekend with friends, with family. Uh, we celebrated yesterday with, uh, with Claudette's mom and dad. And uh, uh, my family is, is all here this weekend, so we're just enjoying that as well. And I know that many of you probably will be together with your family today. Um, as I was preparing this week, I, I found it interesting that, you know, if, if you're on uh, Instagram or Facebook, or Facebook, or just any of the social media sites, what you're going to find, certainly around this time of year, is you're going to find a lot of blogs, or you're going to find a lot of articles that, (laughs) that circulate online, 
and and they're they're about thanksgiving they're they're about being thankful um they, they remind us specifically uh, uh, for us in our setting, they remind us as the people of Canada why we need to be thankful, why it is that we should be a thankful people as Canadians. Um, and maybe all these articles are circulating because it's easy for us to lose sight of the true spirit of Thanksgiving, right? As it becomes part of the, the yearly routine. I found one um, article that was entitled this, 10 Reasons to be Thankful for Being a Canadian. Another uh, one that I read was, as Canadians, we have plenty to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. And there were more that were just all in that same flavor, different titles, but, but really the same things. The overriding purpose of these blogs was to implore Canadians and their readers to give thanks for the for the many things that we enjoy, the things like <coughs> multicultural diversity, um, things like safety and peace that, are, that are, our borders help us to enjoy, the natural beauty that's all around us, the, rel- the relative freedom that is afforded to us as being Canadians. Do you know what was one interesting thing? I read probably about, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe a few more, different articles that all centered around this one theme of being thankful. Uh, Do you know the one thing that not any of those things mentioned was God? Not one. Not one of those articles gave any due to the creator of the world. There was, in fact, a complete absence of any reminder to be thankful for God or to give thanks to him. And in, in this case, we, we should be, you and I, as the people of West End, whether you're here for the first time or for the uh, umpteenth dozen time, we should be thankful, not only as the people of Canada, not only as the people of West End, but as the people of God. We should be thankful. We should be thankful that we have more resources than internet blogs alone to turn to as a healthy reminder to give thanks. I mean, we have the Word of God, don't we? And that's really what we need to center our our minds and our hearts around. We don't come here to talk about um, internet articles or blogs. We come here to talk about the Word of God. And we come here to talk about who the Word of God is talking about, and that's the Lord. And that's ultimately what we want to be thankful for. And this passage that we read, Psalm 136, it is unique. <coughs> um, it's unique in the way that it has the same refrain in, in, every, uh, in every verse. I, I'm sure you noticed that. We said it over and over again as we were reading it, right? In every verse, it proclaims for his steadfast love, God's steadfast love endures forever. It's a reminder of the fact that we, in our brokenness and in our rebellion, are totally undeserving of all that we receive from God's hand. (laughs) 
And I, I love what one commentator said when he was commentating on, on Psalm 136. This is what he said. Um, and yet, God showers his people with his loyal and steadfast love. In spite of sin, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our humanness, God showers us with his loyal and steadfast love. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's a reminder of God's love, a, a, a love that is loyal, a love that is, um, a love that is God's own initiative. It is steadfast to its core. It, it is a love that never flinches. It never pauses. It never stops pouring out upon his people. This psalm tells us that God is the God of gods. His, his steadfast love endures forever. He is the God whose character proves true time and time and time again. And every time we look, his gaze is, fill, is filled with love. He is not like other gods. He is not fickle. He is not stone. He is not quick-tempered. He is not inconsistent. He's the same. His steadfast love endures forever. What this psalm really calls us to do, he calls us to give thanks to the God who loves us with steadfast love, with faithfulness, with mercy, with grace, with loving kindness, with patience. I mean, we gain the benefit, don't we, during the busyness of our lives of turning to this psalm to be reminded that um, to be reminded that we are prone to neglect to give thanks to the God of this Bible that we, that we read every Sunday. Not only to do so um, for the earthly benefits that we have, and, and that's what we're prone to do. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an easy trap to fall into because we want, when we want to give thanks, we want to give thanks for a bunch of stuff, right? And, and we look at our stuff. Oh yeah, I got to be thankful for this. And like I said to the kids, I mean, it's easy for us to focus on what we don't have. And that just steers us off the path. I mean, I can look, and, and I, can, I can look around, and I can see a bunch of people with pickup trucks, and uh, I don't have a pickup truck. I want a pickup truck so, so, so badly. But is that the way that we need to, to focus? I mean, that, that's my donut hole, really, isn't it? And, and I think maybe sometimes I think we need to identify what our donut holes are and focus on what we do have. And not only to focus on what we do have. Let's not just focus on, on and making a list of, well, I have this. Yeah, I, I don't have a pickup truck, but, 
you know, I have, I have a great family. I have an awesome wife. I have all these sorts of things. And, and I check the boxes, right? Well, let's, let's not fall into the trap of, of checking boxes. Because Thanksgiving is about more than that. And I think this psalm really tells us about that. This morning, as we look at this psalm, I want you to just notice two things, okay? You should be thankful for that, two things. Um, First, in verses 1 to 3, what we're going to see, the psalmist is going to tell us that we are called to give thanks to the Lord for who He is. We are called to give thanks to the Lord for who He is. So that's right, that, that's the foundation, that's the basis. It has nothing to do with our stuff. It has nothing to do with the things that we have received. It just simply is calling us to say thanks, to give thanks, to focus on how grateful we are just for the fact of who God is. His person. Full stop, right there. Give thanks to the God of the Bible. Give thanks for who he is. Right from the start, we're here with this unapologetic repetition from the psalmist. I'm going to read those first three verses again because they really tell the story. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the, to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. So the psalmist starts out his psalm and he just describes God. And he says, this is why you should be thanks, thankful. This is why you should give thanks. You should give thanks. Sorry. You should give thanks because God is good. You should give thanks because he's the God of gods. You should give thanks because he's the Lord of lords. Give thanks to the Lord for his, his goodness. Give thanks to the Lord for his, uh, for his godness. And then give thanks to the Lord for his, for his lordship. His goodness, his godness, his lordship. He's the, he's the God of gods. And his authority, he's the Lord of lords. We give thanks for the fact that we can trust him, that he alone is God, that he alone is in control. And it, in fact, what you find is you, if you look at this psalm in its entirety, what you're going to see is that all of this psalm, the, the entire thing is bookmarked by this reminder to give thanks to the Lord because his steadfast love endures forever. It begins and it ends with the same instruction, with the same note. Um, This psalm is decorated with this beautiful kind of inclusio of of thanksgiving to God. It's, um, It's like a symphony with an introducting and a concluding melody that kind of weaves its way through the entire symphony. You know, I don't know if you listen to symphonies, but um, it's like a good novel that has a theme, a big idea, showcases a theme, and then it takes that theme and it weaves it through the, the entire book and it just keeps you captivated. 
That's what this psalm is doing. Take a look at the very first verse. It, again, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. <clears throat> then he continues on, give thanks to God of gods, give thanks to the Lord of lords, verse 3. And then look at the end, verse 20, um, Verse 25, he who gives food to all flesh for his steadfast love endures forever. Now listen to this. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. So at the very beginning he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then in the last verse in 26 he says, give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. This psalm opens on a note of God's goodness. It opens on a note of his goodness, his divinity, and his authority. And the concluding note, or the concluding melody of this psalm, is one of his majesty. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. He is the good God, this one that we have come here to worship this morning. He is the true God. He is the God of heaven. And his steadfast love endures forever. So the very first thing that we have to do, the very first thing that we are reminded to do is, is to push aside all the blessings that we have, just shove them aside, all the stuff. And that includes, you know, the, your friends, your family. Just, just to the side for one moment. And let's just sit here. Let's sit in this, and let's just remind ourselves of who God is. The God of faithfulness. The God of love. The God of mercy. The good God. His lordship over all creation. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. The very first thing that we are called to by this psalmist as he writes his psalm is to be thankful because God is good. Because he is God. Because he is Lord. Goodness, divinity, lordship. And everything else, everything else, all the byproducts, all the things that, that are just showered upon us, they are showered upon us because of the loyalty and the gracefulness and the faithfulness of a God that we serve who has no business loving us, but yet he does. This psalm is calling us to stop and to recognize that God alone is worthy of thanksgiving simply because of who he is. Full stop. Because his steadfast love endures forever. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a great thing if during our quiet times, during our times with our families, if our prayers and our speech were injected with that kind of mentality? You may be here this morning struggling with a particular physical ailment, working through the fear that's attached to an upcoming surgery or diagnosis. 
you may be here mourning a significant loss, a loved one. Disappointment in, in your career, in your school. Struggling with a difficult relationship. Whatever the case may be, whatever you brought with you into church today, let the Bible remind you that nothing, that no one can take the verses 1 to 3 away from you. Because no matter what we're going through, the reminder here is that God's love, His steadfast love, His loyal love endures forever. Give thanks to the God for who He is. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We need to give thanks for not only who God is, but we need to, obviously, we need to be thankful for the things that God does. And that's what the rest of the psalm is, is really all about. If you notice, if you go through it, you can read it for yourselves. Take a look at it in your quiet time this week. Take a look and, and see. You'll notice 1 to 3, which we already went through, talks about who God is. Verses 4 to 25 really tell us about the things that God does. Verse 4, the psalmist kind of pulls away here from the force and the repetition of verses 1 to 3. And, remember, and, and notice here, in verses 1 to 3, what he says is, over and over, he says, give thanks. He, he tells us, you should give thanks because God is good, because he's God, because he's, you know, and, and he, so he, he says, give thanks, give, give thanks, give thanks. Verse 4, he goes away from that. And he, he doesn't say give thanks anymore, but he says to him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 5, to him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. And so he keeps going. The theme is still giving thanks, but he's just not giving us this uh, expressed or explicit reminder. He's still saying we need to give thanks, but he has more to say. Instead, what he does is Essentially, because of this surpassing greatness of our God, he assumes this, right? He assumes that we're going to continue to give thanks. And he continues to reflect on the works and the wonders of the one to whom that we give thanks. And notice what he doesn't leave unstated. He never stops restating. He doesn't say give thanks anymore, but, but the one thing that he does continue to... Um, to say is his steadfast love endures forever. He never stops saying it. The fact that God's steadfast love is enduring, that it is, um, that it's eternal, it's because he is the God of gods. It's the way that God loves. It's, it's what we experience. No matter what we do, he will continue to love. He, his love is steadfast and loyal. And so in verse 4, we're called to give thanks to the God who alone, in one version it says, who alone does great wonders. Verse 4, to him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. So as an extension um, of who this good God is, the greatness of his attributes, we're also to thank him for the greatness of his actions. 
Not just his attributes, but his actions, right? So the great wonders that God performs are an overflow of the great love that he possesses. So the psalmist tells us that it's, that it's he alone who does great wonders. Isn't there something, isn't there something good and right about giving thanks for the things that only God can do for us? Give thanks to him for he, I, I think one of the most important words in that psalm is the word alone. He alone does great wonders. Think about it. When we talk about the kinds of people in the world that we, re- we admire, that we watch on television or in movies, um, the kinds of things that they accomplish in all aspects of life, these great people aren't alone in what they do, right? Uh, I mean, here, for instance, um, for every, uh, I'm talking about classical music a lot today, for every Bach, there's a Beethoven, or a handle, or a mess, uh, or a messiah, uh, a uh, Chopin, Ch- Chopin. Sorry, my bad. Um, for every Jane Austen, there's a Charlotte Bronte. For every Steve Jobs, the creator of Apple um, iPhones and Apple products, there's a Bill Gates, Microsoft. For every Alfred Hitchcock, there's a Steven Spielberg. Here's the point. The point is, even if you don't recognize who those people are, there are great um, people. There, there are a whole bunch of people in all sorts of different fields, in literature, in, in, uh, in technology, in, well, maybe not in politics, but uh, in, uh, in sports. I mean, we can sit here, we could sit here and, and have a debate about who the greatest hockey player is, and we could stay here all day, and we would still come to the same conclusion. It's Wayne Gretzky, just saying. Um, we, but we come from different eras, and we all have different opinions. I mean, some people would say it's Mary Lemieux. You would be wrong, but it, they would have that opinion, right? Or you go to football, and you say, who's the greatest football player of all time, or who's the greatest basketball player of all time, or... Who's the greatest author of all time? Well, everyone would have a different opinion based on what they like and what they don't like. You get what I'm saying? We can debate that. And so in all these different fields, there are great people. There are good authors. There are great authors. There are great athletes. There are great people in technology and scientists and all these sorts of things. There's a bunch. And we can say, well, I think this person's the greatest. But another person say, no, this person's the greatest. But notice what the author of Psalm 136 says. He says in verse 4, to him who alone does great wonders. Since this is a reflection on the Lord whose steadfast love endures forever, (coughs) the psalmist can confidently say that it is God alone who does these wonders, these great wonders. There's only one person that can do the things that God does, and it's him. It's him. No one has a monopoly on great literature. 
No one has a great monopoly on, on great movies or who the greatest hockey player is or, or whatever. <clears throat> but the point is that it is God who is without equal. He alone does great wonders. No one, nothing rivals God's greatness. And in the rest of the psalm, the psalmist I mean, he, he says that in verse 4, it's the foundation for the things that God does. He says, give thanks to God, excuse me, to him who is able to do alone great wonders for a steadfast love endures forever. And then he details those great wonders. And look at, uh, and here's where I kind of, I, I didn't lie, okay? But um, I said there were two things. There's actually uh, a few things under subheading two. So, um, so there are a few more things. Everybody buckle up. That's okay. Everything's good, okay? There's actually three more things that I just want you to see, okay? So we're, we're doing five, all right? Uh, I just, I know I slipped that in there. I have, just be thankful that it's not f- four or, uh, or ten or whatever. But notice what, what the psalmist does. In those verses, 4 to 25, he just details three things, okay? Three things that God does. And he says that we should give thanks for them. So he suggests that we ought to give thanks for the wonders of, verses 5 to 9, for the wonders of creation. Do you see the way he says that? Charles Spurgeon said this about this psalm. He said, The works of God, all being great in wonder, may not all be great in size. In fact, he wrote, the minute objects of the microscope we behold as great wonders, even as even the telescope can reveal. In other words, what he is saying here is this great wonder, the, the, God's great wonders are all great because it is him alone who can do them. They are, some are small, too small for us to see. Some are too big that we need a telescope or too far away to see. They're massive, but they all reflect the greatness of our God. And we marvel at the things that God does, the great wonders, His creation. We ought to give thanks to Him for those things. Whether, whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning or not, creation calls all of us as humanity to think about to wrestle with, to contemplate, and to meditate on the splendor of our creation. I have seen some amazing scenery in my lifetime. And Claudette and I, just a couple days ago, we went to Clear Lake, and, and there's beautiful, beautiful uh, scenery there. We have been to both uh, the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean in different parts uh, we've been to, to Nova Scotia and traveled the Cape Breton Trail, uh, the, the Cabot Trail, uh, and just to be able to see the scenery there. The, uh, we have seen, uh, I have seen the Grand Canyon. Um, there are so many wonderful things in our world. Perhaps there are some things that maybe you are thinking of this morning. The psalmist is calling us to look at the amazing things that we see around us, the creation that we see, and to give thanks to the one who, who thought, who thought all these things up by his own understanding. Isn't it great that we as a church 
family can take time this morning to give thanks to God because all of heaven and earth, land and sea, are made by, by God's understanding. This is, it's the, when he repeats his steadfast love endures forever in this psalm, it's not just a, a stylistic touch. This is a theological truth that stands behind the reality of the created world itself. It is a reminder to you and to me that, um, that when we look around us, we are reminded of that God is who and who the Bible says he is and that his steadfast love endures forever. We should marvel at the creation that we see around us. Because it is God alone who does great wonders. In verses 10 to 16, he moves on, and we're not going to take the time to read them. But we are commanded to give thanks for, not only for the wonders of creation, but for the wonders of his salvation. I mean, he talks about it. Just let me read a couple verses here. Verse 10, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt for his steadfast love endures forever, brought Israel out, of, uh, out from among them, verse 12, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. Verse 13, to him who divided the Red Sea in two. Verse 14, made Israel pass through the, the midst of it. Verse 15, overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. Verse 16, to him who led his people through the wilderness. So the psalmist is, is giving us a reminder to thank God for our salvation. Now, I know that we need to look at this in context, right? Context is, is always really important. But here's what I want us to, to kind of just notice here. Don't you find it comforting that the one that we rely on for our salvation is also the one responsible for creation? Isn't it incredible that God who spoke something out of nothing, the God who made everything that isn't himself as an expression of his steadfast love would also save his people from slavery and from sin. Now, if we look at this psalm in context, um, there's a reason why the psalmist is talking about Egypt. For the original readers of this psalm, from who this who this psalm was, was written to, what was, the, what was the, the most significant uh, moment of salvation for those people? It was the escaping from, from Egypt, right? It was being set free from slavery. They spent 400 terrible years under the oppressive hand of Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. But according to God's great promises, according to his steadfast love, God sent Moses in there to extricate them from underneath the thumb of Pharaoh. And he describes what, and the psalmist describes what, what God did for them. He led them from Egypt to the promised land. And, and he he saved them along the way. He divided the Red Sea. He saved them from Pharaoh and his army. He led them through the wilderness. He did all those things with his outstretched arm and with his steadfast love. <coughs> Excuse me. 
it was God's divine initiative that he had created them, and it was with his divine initiative that he recreated them, that he saved them. He made them, he saved them, and his steadfast love endures forever. And so the point when I talk about context is, depending on the time in history when a person lives, if you went to them and you asked them what the most significant achievement in a particular field in the point of history that they lived, they would have different answers, right? If you ask somebody what the most significant achievement of humanity was to a person that lived kind of at the end of the 19th century into the 20th century, what would they probably say? Well, they would probably say the, uh, the creation of the automobile, right? Uh, it's something that we, all, we still use today, but I mean, that was, a, that was a huge leap forward. But what would people who lived, who are living, at the end of the 20th century and now in the 21st century. What would they say? I would say they would probably say the, the creation of the internet. Different perspectives, two different time periods. That's, I think, what we're seeing here. Because when the, if you were to ask the people that were originally reading this psalm, what's the most significant moment of salvation that you and your people experienced they would say well Egypt we were in slavery for 400 years and God promised that he would he would save us and he did and he led us to the promised land that's that's why the psalmist is writing about Egypt here the most significant accomplishment of salvation for them in their history up until that time of the writing in Psalm 36 was the event of God delivering them from Egypt. This was a great wonder of salvation. The psalmist calls his readers to give thanks. And now, as we read the psalm today, we can parallel ourselves, and I think we can parallel our ideas of salvation because we're invited to consider the most significant accomplishment of salvation in history, period. And there can be no other answer besides the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross and dying for our sins and the resurrection for our salvation. The great work of salvation, which, by the way, the Exodus ultimately points to, the most radical expression, the most observed thought, was that God in his steadfast love is now revealed to us in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even as God delivered Israel out of the darkness of slavery and into the light of the promised land, he delivers all of us who believe out of the darkness of sin and into the light of his kingdom. The kingdom of his beloved son. And so we are invited to give thanks our hearts are to be filled with thanksgiving for, to, to Jesus, the one who, who bore our pain, who plumbed the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again. Give thanks to God who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. He made us. He saved us. Here's the last thing that I want you to see really quickly. Verse 17 to 25. It's it's just the, the fact that he sustains us. He made us, 
He saves us and he sustains us. You know, long ago, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, God made two promises to Abraham. He promised him a land and he promised him a line. He promised him descendants and he promised him a destination. And now as we read Psalm 136, which was written presumably by a descendant of Abraham, someone from Abraham's promised line is now giving thanks to God for his provision of the promised land, for his steadfast love endures forever. See, throughout Israel's history, if you read the Bible, you're going to see that they wandered through the wilderness, even throughout their days in the established kingdom in the promised land. We know their story is by no means free of hardship or difficulty or distress. They suffered we went through it when we went through the minor prophets. They suffered persecution. They suffered difficulty. They suffered distress, pain, hunger, famine, war, captivity, hunger, uh, violence. And what the author of this psalm does is look back and say that in the midst of it all, no matter what they were experiencing, the one constant, the one thing that remained the same over and over and over again was the steadfast love of God. No matter what, no matter their behavior, no matter how poorly they felt they had been treated, no matter all the things that they went through, the one thing that stayed the same was God's steadfast love. And he showered it over his people. Verse 23 says, it is he who remembered us in, a, in our low estate. Verse 24, he rescued us from our foes. Verse 25, he who gives food, food to all flesh. I mean, es- essentially what the psalmist is saying, in other words, is this. He was present there with them, he provided for them, and he gave perfect protection to them. I hope that... Um, I hope this Sunday, I hope this Monday, I hope this Thanksgiving that you're just going to take some time to enjoy good food and family. But as you do those things, to understand the magnitude of these truths. Because church, the same God who remembered the lowest state of Israel during their slavery is the same God who took on our lowest state in Jesus Christ. Not only did he give food to all flesh, but he became flesh to satisfy all who would come to him. And I pray that this would be the year, maybe if you haven't already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that this would be the day, this would be the year. The one who created everything the one who saved his people, the one who sustains his people, protects them and provides, his steadfast love endures forever. Come to me, says Jesus, and I will never cast you out. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, shall never thirst. Believe and trust in those claims. In another psalm, David reflects on how precious God's steadfast love is. 
How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God. He uses that word a lot. Could it be that maybe your appreciation of God's steadfast love is growing a little bit cold this, this year? Maybe this is the day to make that change. I invite you to take the ultimate expression of it in Jesus. Place it upon you as you read his word and let it dwell in your hearts that it may often be on your lips. This Thanksgiving, speak about God around the table. Speak about his person. Speak about his love. Speak about his great wonders. Give thanks to the Lord for who he is. Give thanks to the Lord for what he does. He created us. He saved us. And he sustains us. And there's nothing, Romans 8.38, that will ever be able to separate us from that steadfast and loyal love. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word again. And as it just washes over us, as the truth penetrates into our hearts and into our minds, Father, I pray that, that we would just ruminate, that, that it would resonate with us. Father, I pray that, I pray that we would just be overwhelmed. with your love with the loyalty of it with the steadfastness of it the, it based on our definitions you, you have no business loving us but yet you do we're so grateful Father would you just guide us as we go from here today, as we enjoy family, as we enjoy fellowship, Father, I pray that we would never forget that your steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks for who you are. <laughs> and we give thanks for what you have done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you uh, stand with me as we close our service? Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God and Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. I just want to say on behalf of Matt and myself and Claudette and Beth, happy Thanksgiving. We love you guys, and we appreciate how much you do for us. So you're dismissed. Thank you.